0: It's great to be here. It's great to be in a fellowship of believers and that's what we're going to be focusing about today from the book of Philemon. So turn your Bibles, grab a Bible if you don't have one. Um, there's some at the back there. It would be useful to have one. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this church. Thank you for new beginnings. Thank you for a place, Lord God, to meet. A fellowship we can come and praise your name. A fellowship we can come and turn to your word to have you speak to us through it. So, Lord God, we know that it is only you that we want to hear today. We pray in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you would take your word, the word of God, and as we look at it, Lord, let it be a faithful representation of what you have to say to us. Holy Spirit, would you come and give the words to say, Lord? Let it be your words. And, Lord, even greater as well. Would you help us to have that greater understanding of brotherly love that is real. And Lord I just pray Father in Jesus name for your Holy Spirit to reveal more and more to us today about what it is to be a fellowship of believers. Praise your name Lord God I thank you that we can trust you for every aspect including this one. In Jesus name. Amen. was a map on the screen there and uh, over the last couple of months you'll probably be aware we've been studying the book of Colossians on a Wednesday night. I've personally found this to be both exciting and challenging as we've had an insight into this small group of new believers displaying their faith and reaching out to each other and their community. I hope you found that too if you've been there on a Wednesday night. It's been quite interesting just going through that hasn't it? We are also about to move into a short study in the book of Philemon on a Wednesday night. And over these next two Sundays, I'd like to also focus on this book. There is a close relationship between the letter to Philemon and the letter to the Colossians. Firstly, because the church in Colossae, there, in what is now Turkey, um, the church that is in Colossae apparently met in Philemon's house. And secondly, because both letters were written about the same time when Paul was imprisoned in Rome around AD 63. In the letter to Philemon, we will see a story unfolding about Philemon's slave, who was called Onesimus. Try getting your tongue around that one. Onesimus? I hope that's right. A slave of Philemon, and he had run away after apparently stealing from his master. Somehow, he ended up in Rome... Is that on the map? Yes. All the way from here to here. Quite a journey. Somehow he ended up in Rome where he came into contact with Paul. Through this contact Paul led Onesimus to know the Saviour. Praise the Lord, that was a divine encounter. Then Onesimus. it becomes useful to Paul in his ministry while he's there in Rome an interesting story isn't it developing and we'll see that as we go through the next two weeks it's going to unfold and unwrap exactly how that all pans out but you see Paul realised that Onesimus had a responsibility to Philemon and he should try and restore the relationship that was broken so Paul felt that it was right to return Onesimus to Philemon Tychicus was given the responsibility of carrying Paul's letter from Rome to the Colossians and Onesimus travelled back with him you see that in Colossians 4 in this letter to Philemon Paul explained the situation and asked Philemon to treat Onesimus not as a runaway thieving slave but now as a beloved brother in Christ do you ever feel that you're not important that you're disconnected and that somehow you aren't really valued. As we look into this short letter, one striking point from it is that there are 12 individual people mentioned, which says something about the common fellowship which these Christian believers shared, and the fact that individuals in the church are valued. We also see the Christian church in Colossae itself being addressed. These are Christians gathered together for worship, We have a common hope in Jesus Christ. So let's turn to Philemon now and read verses 1 to 7. They'll also be on the screen. Together in Christ. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker to Afia, our sister, to Acrippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Together in Christ. Firstly, I want to bring from this passage, we see warm Christian greetings, don't we? In verses 1 to 4. Firstly, in verse 1, he says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. In the first four verses, Paul gives warm Christian greetings. Paul who is a prisoner in Rome and he states that he's a prisoner in the name of Christ Jesus. Did you notice that? Nowhere else does Paul open one of his letters by saying, calling himself this title. He would normally use a title like an apostle or one of those, but in this one he highlights his imprisonment. He faces Philemon with his current imprisonment and he repeats this statement throughout the whole letter as we'll see as we work the way through it. And he greets him warmly. Although he's separated by a physical, quite a vast distance, as we saw there on the map, and circumstances in that he's in prison, he's still able to be united in love with his brother and in service of Jesus Christ. Perhaps he wanted to remind Philemon of the price he himself was paying there, suggesting that anything he might challenge Philemon with in this letter might be quite small in comparison with what he's already facing. Paul is suffering in prison, but he knows it's for Jesus that he's suffering. And that he's there serving God's purpose in his life. You know, while Paul was in prison, it wasn't this kind of closed-off, inactive experience. He was active in writing letters such as this one. He also wrote Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Letters which we now have as inspired word of God to encourage churches throughout the generations. And the church in their day as well. He also shared his faith with people there who were imprisoning him. Some key people in the, the guard etc as we read in other scriptures. And Timothy we see here was present with Paul. And Paul was emphasising that Timothy is our brother. You see that? You know, There's a fellowship between the brothers there in Christ. It's clear though that Paul was writing the letter, although Timothy was there. This is a personal letter from from Paul. So who was this Philemon that this book's titled with? well we see here from verse 1 that he's a dear beloved friend of Paul it's a personal friendship he's a loved friend he's a dear friend why is he loved and dear? because he's part of a community that is characterised by love and he's a fellow worker because Philemon's actively involved in the work of the good news of Jesus the gospel in Colossae As Paul had never visited the church in Colossae, as we read in Colossians 2.1, if you were at the studies you would have caught that, that um, he hadn't physically been there. Presumably Philemon was then converted during Paul's ministry in Ephesus, which was thought to be the beginnings of the... They were visiting there, went back to their hometown, planted this new church in Colossae. We see that too a little bit in Colossae. So there's a special relationship it's also mentioned in verse 19 more explicitly uh, Paul says verse 19 not to mention that you Philemon owe me your very self so there's a very strong indication as we'll see maybe next week more that Philemon's conversion was a direct result of Paul's ministry and Timothy probably would have met Philemon at the same time as he was with Paul in Ephesus so verse 2 we say further warm Christian greetings To Athia, our sister, to Acrypus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. So Paul writes to Philemon, but it's clear from the letter he's also addressing the church. One of the ways Philemon has been actively involved in the work of the gospel in Colossians is by opening his home for the church to meet there. Isn't that a good thought that he's been able to share in that way? The commentator N.T. Wright says, If Onesimus is to be welcomed back, it must be by the entire household. Paul therefore writes also to Athia, her sister, who is almost universally thought to be Philemon's wife, and herself a Christian sister. And he also writes to Ecripah, her fellow soldier, who is mentioned also in Colossians 4.17. He is like Philemon. he's a partner together with Paul in God's work. He also refers to the church that meets in your home. Here his main concern is for the internal unity of Philemon's house church as its members are contemplating the return of a brother in Christ, of a slave who, has, who they have at very least got mixed feelings about. That's the commentator speaking there. So imagine a situation where someone has clearly hurt the local community, the household in fact, Philemon's household. That's the situation with Anissimus there. There has been clear wrongdoing. Of of some of the most serious kind, actually, culturally. So he's addressing this. It's not just a house, it's a Christian church as well. Christians fellowshipping together in the church. So he needs them all to be aware of the situation. He's addressing them all to listen to what's coming ahead. So the Colossian church meant Philemon's home. No buildings were set apart for public worship, you'll notice there. That didn't happen until about the third century. And so for the early Christians, they held their services in in private houses. There was also the threat of persecution at the time as well. You know, if you were to meet publicly, it would be under threat. Also the financial difficulties, they were sharing the possessions with each other. There were practical matters in that as well. And to me, there's a lovely picture, don't you think, of the church in the home. The home speaks of family, speaks of community. Very much the essence and the beginnings of the church we see in the scriptures. So turn to verse 3. It says grace and peace to you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says these two things. Grace and peace. You probably know grace is the unmerited favour of God. Which brings us sinners to salvation in Christ. Isn't that marvellous? we sing the song amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see grace unmerited grace amazing grace that draws us from sin to salvation it's amazing I'm forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose again so what comes from that grace is peace Peace is the result of a right relationship with God. Right relationship between God and man. It's only through the grace of God that we have peace with God. Isn't it good to be in a position where you're at peace with God and to experience that and know that it's only through His amazing grace that we enter into that peace where our sin is dealt with and our relationship is restored. You know, grace and peace was a fairly common greeting, and this time, but the difference here is that the grace and peace talk, being talked about is coming from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, so to meet every challenge to this group of believers' faith and their love, including the challenge that's about to come up in this letter, Philemon and his household will need more than just human qualities. They will need grace. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wants these letters to be works of grace. And he intends these works of grace to result in peace with God and peace with others, believers. This can only come about as God himself gives these gifts to us. Praise the Lord that these are gifts. The gift of grace and the gift of peace that results from that grace. So, next slide, please. Yep, we've had that. Yep. I just want to think here about Christian fellowship. It's interesting to have a wee look at the New Testament and get a glimpse into daily church life. If you look here in Acts 2, verses 43 to 47, it reads this They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, as communion, and to prayer. Added to their number daily. Those who are being saved. Amen. Amen. Notice the focus of the church was on praying together. It's great in New Beginnings that we have a passion for prayer. Do you know, I even think there's more passion than we're able to fit in on a Wednesday night. And then and other opportunities and we'll see what happens. But there, there is a heart in this church for prayer. Since the very beginnings of it until now. And praise God for that. And this was the focus of the early church. Very much focused on prayer. You see, they were meeting together was another focus. Not staying apart for long distances. Having fellowship throughout the week. And they were sharing together. Their possessions, the things they had, their time, their homes. Anything. And Cathy was talking there about sharing the, the food with others. What a better expression of Christian fellowship than sharing what you have with others. And here too in Philemon we see a glimpse into this fellowship of believers. Even when there's a physical distance. And even prison doors separating groups of believers. Okay. second point. So we had warm Christian greetings. We get this expression of Christian fellowship. Thanksgiving and prayer we see here. It's verse 4. He says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Paul is thankful as he remembers Philemon. His thankfulness is expressed in his prayers. In his private prayers there. He's given prayers of thanksgiving. As he remembers them. You notice that? How often do we do that? Give thanks to God as we remember our fellow believers. And why is he thankful? Verse 5. Because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints cause of Paul's prayers of thanksgiving is the fact that he has heard of his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for all the saints you know faith is the source from which our love comes the Lord Jesus is the focus of our faith isn't he and as a result of that focus and our faith in him love overflows to him and to other believers you know you can't love other believers if you don't love the Lord and as we grow in our love towards the Lord Jesus and we appreciate more and more of that amazing grace unmerited favour and forgiveness for us sinners as a result of that love relationship the automatic result is an overflow of love to other believers if Paul was writing to this church here in could he see these qualities present in us? Would he see these things as a cause for thanksgiving here? And if we do see these qualities in the church, do we thank God for them? And for every single person that's in the church? You know, it is good to see an expression of God here in Moody's Burn that's real. And there's a fellowship. I'm thankful for this fellowship. I miss it when I'm away. I want to be here. Thankful to God for the fellowship of believers that's real Paul may continue, continues in verse 6 I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ so Paul here is shown as we glimpse into some of the prayers he's praying as well as being thankful he's got, a, he's got another thing coming through he prays that Philemon might be active <coughs> active in what? active in sharing his faith The Greek translation of this verse literally says so that the fellowship of your faith working may become in full knowledge of every good thing we have in Christ. You see Philemon didn't keep his faith to himself. He shared it. He communicated it with others. And Paul had been praying for Philemon that his faith might go to work. Be useful in other words. And be a blessing to others. In James two twenty, we see it says, "Their faith apart from works is useless. Faith apart from works is useless or dead." So, when we're talking here about sharing our faith, it doesn't just mean sharing our faith with non-believers. Although that's a wonderful thing to do, and you will grow in your spiritual life by sharing your faith, and so we should constantly be sharing our faith. But more closely to the meaning here, he's he's referring here to the sharing of our faith with each other. Fellow believers in the church. See, a fellowship is not only a great encouragement to those who are in it. It's also a powerful good news message to the world. N.T. Wright says the idea that we need to grasp, the theme that dominates this letter is that in Christ Christians not only belong to one another but actually become mutually identified. They truly rejoice with the happy and genuinely weeping with the sad. You know experience that? Where you go through difficult times and the believers come alongside you and they love you and they minister to you and they help you and they pray for you before the Lord holding you up weeping with the sad, rejoicing with the happy, together in Christ. Fellowship is part of the truth about the body of Christ. All are bound together in a mutual bond that makes our much-prized individualism look shallow and petty. Don't we live in a world that's individualistic? Scotland is individualistic. Scotland is most people don't know who their neighbours are and sometimes I need to make a better effort than that but we're so used to commuting to and from work so used to dropping the kids to school, running back doing the things we do, watching TV in the house that we tend to disconnect from others and the church is called beyond the individualism to fellowship so none of us is an island I was just thinking about that TV series Lost If you watch it, you'll just get lost watching it as it develops. So I wouldn't recommend it to you. Um, It just gets more and more confusing. But imagine yourself just on that desert island on your own. I wouldn't fancy being the only person on a desert island. What a lonely thought. No one to share anything with. No common goal that you can aim for. No conversation. Although maybe sometimes you might want a bit of peace and quiet. Uh, you know, seriously, you wouldn't want to be an island, would you? You would not. You'd eventually get fed up with yourself. <laughs> so what is this sharing? Some questions out of this. It's an application. What is this sharing of our faith? Well, it's a sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. It's sharing the truths we've learned from God's Word. And as we're studying God's Word and sharing the truths we've learned, there is spiritual growth and there is great encouragement. I'm not one to put pressure on you, but if you get an opportunity to meet with fellow believers to do this sort of thing, do it. If you can make it on a Wednesday night, come. Because my experience of that has been spiritual growth in the group. We meet together, we explore the Word, we share the faith and our understanding as we grow together. Growth, health comes out of that. It's fantastic seeing the church work. It's a great encouragement to meet in that way and to share the truths of God's work together. It's also more than that. It's also sharing the testimony of our life. (laughs) A life saved and transformed in Jesus. Both in that our sins have been forgiven and also that we're a new creation in Christ. With a new nature, a new purpose, a new hope and a new life. Praise the Lord. Why would we be here otherwise unless it was we were a new creation with a new purpose, a new hope and a new life? In Second Corinthians 5, 17-21, it's on the screen. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the wor- world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you in Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the message of the gospel. The good news, that's all that word means, good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God's son who died for us on the cross taking our sins upon himself taking the punishment that we deserved then he rose again defeating the power of sin and the grave and he did all this so that we can be reconciled to God or in other words so that we can be brought again to a right relationship with God sin is the barrier between God and man For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, it says. And only Jesus' perfect life and sacrifice could pay the price for all those sins. And he paid the price, you know, once for all. Once forever. And only that can bring us into right relationship with God we're going to see more as we move I challenge you just to focus on these things and next week we'll be looking at Christians reconciled in Christ not only towards him but towards other folks it's very much the context in which we're looking here if you're not a believer I believe we all are here today but I'll mention anyway if you haven't taken this step of faith to trust in the Lord Jesus as your saviour ask forgiveness for your sins and to turn your life around into his hands, then you need to do that. You need to take that step of faith. So, what does this sharing, all this sharing of our faith and fellowship lead to? It says there so that we will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. As Paul prayed for the believers in Ephesus, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. See, see here we're encouraged to come to a fuller understanding of all that God has done for us that'll be the journey of the rest of our lives do you know that that'll be an exciting journey won't it as we explore the height the depth the breadth the immense capacity of God's love and it'll be the song forever in heaven all he has and all the provision he's given to us how much he loves us okay Verse 7. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Paul is called for great joy and encouragement as he remembers his brother in Christ, Philemon. He singles out his love, the love which Philemon has shown in the fellowship. And he states this phrase, that he's refreshed the hearts of the saints. Although we can't really tell what exactly Philemon has done to do this, we can see the result of it, which is this refreshing and encouragement. And in the case is a refreshing Christian, the kind of man other people appreciated. And Philemon was about to face a, a serious character test, and a serious faith test, and love test. As he learned about the conversion of his slave Onesimus. In John thirteen thirty four, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Are we a refreshment to other believers? Do we positively influence people encouraging them and helping them where there's a need or are we negative picking out the faults coming alongside and saying something that's not so helpful and one of the litmus tests of all this are we doing it in love you know sometimes there is a wee word of thing you need to say to correct someone there is a wee word that they might not want to hear but the characteristic of it in the Christian believer should be love and only in love should we act. And the majority of the time that should be to be an, a refreshment and an encouragement. And as we meet here today together as a church, the sign of our fellowship should be love for one another. That we bear with each other's mistakes. You know, I fail, we all fail. And we have to have grace towards one another. In the same way as God said grace to us we have to show love and compassion towards others in the same way that Jesus showed love and compassion towards us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So in conclusion, these two brothers, Paul, Philemon, they're brothers in Christ. They're together in Christ. And they're great examples to us of Christian love and Christian fellowship together in Christ. I hope you're as encouraged as I am because I know that I'm speaking to a congregation that models these things. And I just want to encourage you to keep going on with it. Keep seeking opportunities for fellowship with one another. Keep trusting in God and searching the scriptures to find out more and more about his amazing love let's pray Father God we thank you for your word for us today I thank you that you make things very very clear not difficult to understand that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life we thank you for every believer in this place that has received that and has known that amazing grace And knows what it is to be a sinner forgiven. Father we thank you for your love for us. And I thank you for this church here. And I pray Lord God for all of us. That you might give us a fresh understanding. Of brotherly love that is real. And we know Lord God the only way that this can happen. Is through the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. In the believers here. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would work into, in us the love of Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that light would just shine brighter and brighter and brighter to this community around. And we do pray for Moody's Burn, Lord. We thank you for this town around us and we pray, Lord God, your church would shine brightly in this, this town that as people see the church fellowship they would be drawn to that love they would be drawn to a saviour we trust you for this knowing, knowing Lord that it's not by might not by power but by your spirit in Jesus name Amen